This is the Ezra Podcast. We're going to be talking some UFC today, some, uh, some MMA, uh, UFC 276. We got Adesanya versus Cannoneer, and which was, you know, kind of building to be like the best, most stat card of the year. Did it deliver uh, performances-wise, fight-wise? No, probably not, but the whole point of a promotion, a promoter's job, that I continuously say is to build the hype going into the fight. The results, you can't predict that. You're never going to be able to predict that. You can make good matchups and hope for the best, but a lot of really good matchups don't really ever turn into the fights that you think they're going to be. A lot of the fight of the year, like, you know, people announce, oh, this is the fight of the year contender. This is going to be a fight of the year contender, and they don't pan out to be the fight of the year. What you want to do is pre-fight hype, and this had pre-fight hype. Let's get to the main event. We had Adesanya versus Cannoneer in a fight that, you know, um, a lot of people are saying it was boring. A lot of people are saying that Adesanya is one of the most boring champions the UFC's ever had. And that this is kind of how majority of his fights look. And I, I mean, it's not inaccurate, right? It's not inaccurate. It's not that uh, it's not just like this was an entertaining fight. This wasn't an entertaining fight. As far as if you're there to see uh, action, you're there to see a knockout, you're there to see a guy, you know, go for the finish. That's not what you got in this fight. It's not. And that's not what Adesanya uh, delivered in his performance. But he did deliver a dominant performance, right? He, he won uh, five rounds on one judge scorecard. He won four rounds on another on the other two. And I think you have to really, you know, think about what he's doing in there, right? What he's doing in the cage. There's a guy that was uh, started off as a kickboxer. Is now transitioning to MMA, and what the skill it takes for the oh, how many things that you could do in MMA, the, all the possibilities, all the t- uh, techniques that could be used, uh, takedown submissions, boxing, kickboxing, clinches, multi clinches, uh, knees, to, you know, all these different elements to the game. He solely makes it a kickboxing match. He eliminates every other aspect there is to fighting for a guy, and he just makes it a kickboxing match. That's the skill. That's the trick. That's the, the the thing that is the most impressive. So you might just be like, oh, these guys are just staring at each other. What you need to think of is like, hey, this is just a kickboxing match. He eliminated everything else. And I, and it's not like Kennedy kind of didn't go for it. Like, Kennedy looked to work the clinch. He, he just wasn't effective. And the problem with Kennedy in his game, and I said this going into it, is he couldn't, he wasn't going to win a thinking man's fight. He needed to react. He needed to just believe in what he did and apply it. And Results be damned. And really go into this fight. It's interesting to be honest with him and say, listen, if you try to think with this guy and you try to match him, uh, you know, move for move, he's going to win. We have a game plan that we know that can be effective. We know we can win with. We just need to apply it from the start of the round. From the battle ring, start of the fight, apply your game. Don't overthink it. Don't, I don't have this opening area. Apply your game. Let's make Izzy react. Let's make Izzy make the next move. Let's make him uh, change his game or adjust his game to what we're doing. And we're just going to keep doing what we do. But Kenyer didn't do that. Kenyer stood at a range that Izzy was comfortable with. He fought like if he was going to pick shots with Izzy. He fought like if he was waiting for his openings, like he was going to set him up. And that's never been Kenyer's game. Kenyer's game never set up stuff. Okay, that's, not, that's not the way you fight. So he fell into Izzy's game. And I'm not saying that... All Izzy's success comes from because Cannonier mentally went in there and didn't do what he, you know, what he was supposed to do to try to win this fight. Because Izzy's doing that. Izzy's bigger, stronger. 
he hits harder, he's faster, he does all these things that, you know, you can say all these things until you get in there and you're like, oh, this guy's tough. This guy, this guy's doing things that I don't want to get hit. I don't want to take those chances. And there's a lot of talk when you, someone goes in into the cage or a ring or anything, people say uh, similar things. It comes a little bit cliche. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm willing to die in there. I'm not going to stop coming. I have no quit in me. I'm all this dog. Um, I, 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 you know, they say things like he's not used to losing. He only knows how to win all these things. And it, it, those are, those are cool things to say. They sound good. on like when you're hyping up a fight, but the truth is, is it a lot of men face that when they go in there? And I, I feel comfortable saying that because I, I faced that when I sparred uh, high-level guys. I faced that. And I, I wasn't willing to die in there. I, I knew that very early. I was not willing to die in there. I knew that the, the, there was something that could say, ah, I, I will stop. If this gets to a certain point, I'm not willing to go pa- past that threshold. And I think Kenny kind of saw that too when he fought Izzy. I really do. And I'm not saying that he was ever in a position where he was going to get stopped. Or he was ever in a position where he was taking a really bad beating. But I think he was in a position where, in his mind, when he should have said, I'm going to go blitz and go for the win and really push this fight. And I don't care if I get knocked out or anything like that. I don't think that he ever hit that switch. I think he said, if success comes in the way I'm fighting, but this is a way to keep me, you know, protected. I'm not... Uh, probably not gonna get knocked out in the way i'm fighting right now and if something comes uh, a moment comes an opportunity comes in this way of fighting i'm good with it but i'm not gonna force it and find out right what's behind that door it reminds me of a no country for old men at the end when tom lee jones walks into the hotel and there's two doors and he's got to face that truth because javier bardem is behind one of them right he's got to face that truth and tom lee goes opens the door and he faces that truth right I don't think Kenny Air wanted to face that truth this fight. Maybe he felt it was competitive. Maybe he felt like he was doing things in there. There's That happens as well, too. It's like when you're competitive with the guy in a certain spot of the fight, and you're like, well, I'll just stay here. It seems like we're having a competitive fight here. You're not winning, but it seems like competitive. It seems like I'm, I'm doing some things that have some success here. I'll stay here. I'm never going to... You got from that position, right? Great fighters. Like I was just, I just did a um, a rescore on the Broadway Joe po- uh, YouTube channel. Go follow that and go watch the rescore we did for Andre Ward Kovalev. Andre Ward gets dropped. The next round, he's pushing the fight. He's pushing the pace. That is a man who says, "I'm gonna find out. We are gonna find out today." Kenyon didn't want to find out. He didn't. Should it, is he push the pace? I, is he just there to win? He's. Not there to take damage. He's there to have a long career. He's here to do, uh, you know, he sells well. His, he sells out. He Good pay-per-view buys. He's a star. He doesn't need all that. Bring him the right opponent, he'll pick it up. I'm not. Is he's a boring fighter? He has one of the best fights I've ever seen versus Kevin Gastelum. How is he a boring fighter? I've seen him have some dominant performances, dominant stoppages. He's just not going to go every night like that to the well. He doesn't need to. If he doesn't need to, he's not a dumb fighter. He's going to fight intelligently. He's going to break you down. He's going to do what he needs to do to win. I thought it was a, a very good performance. A very good performance. I thought Izzy looked, uh, you know, I thought he looked outstanding, to be honest with you. If you consider all the things that he eliminated from happening, the possibility, it's a really good performance. And, you know, let's not forget, we're talking about how boring it is and comparing to other guys. Anderson Silva had two duds. I mean, massive duds of fights. Latis and Damian Maya. I mean, these were bad. And Dana White went on on the post fight and said that he would cut Anderson Silva if he ever had a fight like that again. That's how bad they were. So this not say this ain't nothing new. 
Okay, this ain't nothing new. So I think we're being overly critical. Adesanya did what he's supposed to do. There was the thing with uh, Chris Pratt where they interviewed him after the fight, and Chris Pratt said he wanted to be honest. That he said that Izzy came out like the Undertaker, which was awesome, by the way. We had to talk about that. I mean, beautifully done. I, I wanted to walk the the next day, and I was just watching that entrance over and over again. Just it, it was perfect. It was, it, it, Izzy understands it. He understands the show of it. He understands how to make it feel big. He understands that. He's a showman. And that's what you want. And I understand that Chris Pratt was saying, like, oh, you're going to do all that. But then just the pitter-patter and stuff like that. I respect that Chris Pratt went up there and just spoke his mind. Because a lot of guys would just play it safe and play at Hollywood at that point. He spoke his mind. He's incorrect. He's incorrect. Okay. Adesanya understands that he's an entertainer. But he understands that's a real fight. This ain't a fake fight. This is a real fight. You can get knocked out. You can get killed in there. Okay. You all Your job is to win the fight. Your job is to sell tickets and win the fight. He sold tickets and he won the fight. That's all he's got to do. If, it, if the selling tickets starts dipping, right, then you maybe have to decide if he wants to have those performances or not. But right now, he's not really, I was saying he's not having a problem being a, you know, a star for the UFC. I, I, I was impressed with the performance. I was impressed with the walkout. I was impressed with the whole thing. I thought it was very good. And you, uh, you know, you want to see Arasani fight someone that could really drag it out of him? Well, they got to find the guy. And it looks like it's Pereira next. I'll talk about him coming up. But uh, let's get to the Coleman event. This was... Volkanovski versus Holloway, number three. And this was going to settle it, right? This was going to see the, you know, the controversial number two. It was going to settle who's the best guy, who's the best featherweight, uh, maybe all the time, right? And to me, this is one exactly how I thought it was going to go. I, I had knew that Volkanovski had won levels from the last fight. He had grown levels, and he had grown levels in his boxing close range fighting. And his footwork is much better, and he didn't have to just bail out. When a guy was attacking, right? He didn't have to just bail out and then reset and find his spot. No, he was comfortable staying in there. And he was it was a, no longer a game of feet, it was a game of inches. And Holloway, well, had improved in his boxing as well. Not to this level. And it was really a master class, and it was really just the separation of them now. Uh they've had some good fights, but this was the separation showing that Volkanovsky was the superior fighter. And had grown really far, far, far beyond what Holloway had grown since their fight. I don't know who beats Volkanovski at featherweight. I don't. I don't think anyone. I would love to see uh, Arnold Allen get get a shot at him because he's so how so he's so good with his hands, so loose with it, the combinations, the speed, everything like that. Probably make a, a damn good fight. But Volkanovski to me is just one of the best fighters in the world. I do think that he had the performance of the night. I don't. I don't think there's any questioning that. Just because of the level of the guy he fought and the way he did it. It, it, it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. So everything he did, the, the discipline, the, the the way he was sitting on shots, the way he was moving out, just the, the, I'm telling you, just the little work he does on the inside. Go watch their second fight and go watch this fight. And just the where Volkanovski getting, you know, where he's getting out of range in the second fight because he, he doesn't feel comfortable in there. He doesn't have the confidence in there to stay in there. And then the comfort level he has now in this fight where he's just moves a little bit and then catches Holloway. And he, he's killing Holloway. And Holloway has the reach. It, but it's the same problem as I pointed out before. He's not using it. His hands are out. His hands are out in front of him, right, to cover the range. So you you step in, he has a shot right there. But he never uses it. He, he's not getting off. He's, he has the hands at range, but he's still allowing Volkanovski to cover all that range with no punishment. And nothing to pay for. And once he started doing that, I don't know why Holloway uh, can't do that. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a skill, of course. It's a timing thing. It's the, your footwork and all that. But he... he he has it. He has the the right template for it, but he's not using it. 
And Volkanovski was just able to cover range. He wasn't really made to pay for anything. There's talks of him going to 155. I mean, be interesting, but I don't mind him dominating 144, honestly. I mean, 145. I don't mind him dominating there. He's an excellent fighter, and I don't really, you know, as far as right now, I'd really care to see him lose just because he's not big enough to go the weight. He's not. He, he's a wide guy, but he's not a really tall guy. I think he makes his weight very comfortably. I don't think that's the problem. So I think going up, like when I remember Max Holloway fought Poirier, and I know people think that's like such a great win for Poirier, but I mean, it's just really Holloway was just too small. It just you could tell that his punches didn't mean much, and Poirier's punches mean meant a lot when they would hit him. They do a lot of damage. I don't really want to see Wolganowski take that loss if it's just going to be a size thing. I think he, he, he there's a chance that he has a lot of success, but I'd like to see what he could do at 145, especially if they have Cejudo come back or something like that. And I said, Allen, I really like that fight. I think that's going to be a very interesting fight, and to see if they get Allen uh, getting another fight soon to kind of build that one up. The next fight we have to talk about is um, Strickland versus Perea. Strickland, uh, Sean Strickland. I want to make sure his name is Sean Strickland because I don't know why that's not it's not feeling right. Yeah, Sean Strickland. Okay, I was right. Sean Strickland versus Brea and Strickland and I, you know, my opinion on this fight was like he was gonna. I thought he was gonna be more use more of his game. He's gonna go for a takedown. You know, and th- that was a mistake on my part because Strickland had this this kind of like pride about him. This like I want to prove. You know, that I, I'm in there to throw down and he has that whole like I'm tough and I'm there to take shots and all these things. I thought that someone would get in his ear and be like, Hey man, we're almost there for a title shot. You want the money. I know you want the big paydays, you you want these opportunities, these big fights. Take this man down. I thought he would go for it. I'm not saying that I'm guaranteed that he would take him down, but Bray does not have a lot of experience. So the good chances are that he has some flaws to his grappling game. But Strickland doesn't do that. So I said, though, standing, that Strickland could have success. I still believe he could have had success. I'm not going to do the thing where I flip just because of what the result was. I still think there was success to be had in the stand-up game. I don't think he executed his game plan correctly. I think that he got stuck walking in the same motion, punching in the same motion, starts just not punching, not walking behind any punches, just kind of walking in slowly. And kind of just letting Pereira just really pick his spots and just putting Pereira in the most comfortable spot that he could possibly be in at the most comfortable range, allowing him to use all his tools that he could use in this fight. And it was a really big mistake. You see Strickland come out early. He's jabbing. He's, he's you know, looking to pick shots, looking to block and stuff like that. But it's just too the same motion. It's just too Pereira just reading it, reading it, reading it. And it's just like throwing just like, uh, you know, just throwing a throwing the ball underhand over and over again to a hitter. And it's like, he's going to blow, he's going to blow that ball out the park. You know what I mean? So that's what kind of uh, Strickland was doing. And it, I was expecting him to work more and get put it uncomfortable, make him push back, get inside of him and rough him up with your shots, make him fight in places he didn't want to be. Pereira was very comfortable in this fight. If you told me that that's the way this fight was going to look at that range, I could have told you he's going to get knocked out cold. Because that range, those things like that, him not having to really work or fall back or he could just stay where he's at and kind of be able to start moving his hands and feet where he wants them and kind of pick his spots and set strictly enough for that shot. Yeah, it was over. I do think that there is avenues of success in the stand-up for Strickland. Now, I do think that if he had to take, use the takedown, use his uh, more well-rounded game, you know, it would it would better suit him in winning that fight. But I do think there was there's success he could have in the stand-up. I know that sounds ridiculous because he got completely smoked, but I'm not one of those guys that's going to flip just because of a result. Um, I'm not going to play Monday morning QB. I, I, 
and I'm not easily swayed. If I see something, I, th I think I saw it. And I still think that that opportunity would have been there. Now, you got Pereira versus um, Adesanya, which is the fight the UFC wanted. It was obvious that, that that's what they were, you know, they knew there was one guy that was coming up that was they currently had it was Strickland, right? They knew that he was getting a little bit of buzz. He was getting a little bit of following. He's a crazy dude. And they knew that they wanted to get him a title shot. And they said, well, Adesanya is basically be everybody else in the top 10. Right, I don't want to take a risk of putting Strickland in with a guy that he's already beat, that Adesanya's already beat, and Strickland losing. So what they do? They got in Perea, who has the story of knocking out Adesanya in kickboxing. They bring him in. They give him two fights that favor him in a major way. Right, the uh, kickboxer and a guy that's you know kind of like Mills Grappling, just kind of like an MMA guy, but not great or elite or anything. Perea makes quick work of them. Then he goes and fights Strickland, and it's the tough fight. It's a top 10 fight. It's a fight that you could say, okay, there's a title shot. This is a number one contender ma match to Adesanya. But it's a guy that's going to fight in Perez, um, you know, where he wants to standing up. He's not going to look to get, he's not a wrestler that's going to uh, drag him down the ground and stay on top of him for 25 minutes. That, so the UFC knew what they were doing, and they, this is the perfect matchup for them. Either way, they were going to win. Strickland wins. He had the whole talk with Adesanya the, in the uh, pre fight. Then they go and they he wins. They build that up in that rivalry. Pereira wins. They got the you know best kickboxer versus best kickboxer. He already knocked him out. Now they're basically going to have a kickboxing match in the UFC for the middleweight title. They don't lose on this. They did this. They knew what they were doing. This wasn't a surprise. It wasn't oh you know just kind of played out that way. No no no. They knew exactly what they're doing. They manufactured this. I'm glad they did this. I this is the kind of stuff you kind of the UFC has not been willing to do lately. Not really building these super fights or not really building at least a guy to have some kind of fight like this. Like this is because it, it is a little bit gimmicky. It is. If we're gonna be honest, it's a little gimmicky, right? It's a little gimmicky. I mean, if you're going through prayer versus the top ten of the middleweights, I don't think you're gonna have him beating them all. I don't think so. I really don't. I mean, we could should set the camera away one second. Let's just do it right now. See, I'm going to go to the UFC rankings. We're going to go to the midway division. Okay. Rob Whitaker versus Prayer. I think Whitaker would take him down. I think Whitaker would use well-roundedness. But I think that is I think that is an interesting fight. Because if Whitaker stays standing in that fight, which I don't think he would. He definitely got more into his wrestling and takedowns recently. So, okay. How about Cannonier, Jerry Cannonier? If he fights the way he fights, is he? And he fights Prayer. I'd pick Pereira in that fight. If he's not going to use, uh, you know, he's not going to look to apply his game and he, he get, you know, just ate up by the lights of, uh, you know, finding a, a top-level kickboxer like that, then yes, I, I'd pick Pereira. So we got we got one loss to, get to Whitaker. Marvin Vittori, I'll take Vittori. He's going to go for a takedown. I'm going to take Vittori. He's going to get him down. I haven't seen Pereira's takedown offense too much, but I'm going to assume that it's not the best, right? So I'm going to go Vittori. Brunson, I'm going to go Brunson. Costa, that's a good fight. Because I don't think Costa goes for takedown. I think he's going to look to go hands as well. Right? I think that's a, I think that's a very good fight. I'll favor Pereira in that one. So, we got... I got three outs so far. Okay, we got Pereira at, at six. Sean Strickland, obviously, he just won. Hermanson, tough fight. Really tough fight. Probably gets taken down. Right? So, I'm taking that's four outs. Darren Till, I'm taking Pereira in that fight. And uh, Andre Munoz... I'm not familiar with Munoz. I got to be honest. Um, let's see what his takedown. They've got all his stats right here. 
Takedowns landed three. Takedowns attempted 35. He seems, he looks to me to be like a striker. Um, I don't know. I had to see his game. I'm not going to predict that one. But I have already four outs in the top 10. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think that this is, uh, you know, oh, and no one wanted to fight him. or anything. I don't think it's that. I just think that the UFC knew what they were doing. They wanted this matchup. And, and they got it. They got the matchup that they wanted. And it's a great storyline. I, I want to see it. I mean, that's it. It's a little gimmicky, like I said, but I'm I'm glad it's happening. Let's go to Robbie Lawler versus Barbarina. Uh, you know, Lawler is past his prime. Um, he showed glimpses of what made him so special. He's, he's a, actually a pretty smart fighter. You know what I mean? As far as like in the cage, he does some stuff that's pretty crafty. And he, know, he, he has a, a definitely a strategy he's applying and a mentality that he knows like, you know, so this could work. Against Barbarina, you know, Lawler... Knew that he, Barbarino wasn't selected with the shots, could be dragged into a war, and and if you give him something to hit or punch at, he's gonna punch at it. Lawler jumps in on him. He's making him work with just what I call um, range pressure. So it means that when you're in a guy's range, you're constantly making him work, constantly making him think, make him react. That's what he did. He just kind of applied range pressure, and it was working. Barbarino was throwing a lot of shots, and Lawler was rolling off some of them, and he was catching Barbarino in between them, but he wasn't working at the same rate. Right, he wasn't working the same rate. He was hitting him with effective shots, and Barbarino was just going. And I could see Barbarino just getting tired and exhausted just because, like, this is a lot. The problem is that Lawler doesn't have, you know, he's Lawler isn't Lawler anymore. He doesn't have that um, effectiveness anymore. He doesn't have the youth in him. doesn't have the gas tank in him. doesn't have the durability in him. And when Barbarino kind of just forced the issue and jumped forward and didn't allow Lawler to set the tone, and he started getting in on him, landing big elbows and big shots. Lawler couldn't hold up to that. He, when he was younger, you know, this would be the kind of fight he'd run through this fight. It's just, just the truth of it. It's just it, with his craftiness and then his, his youth and his ability and his speed and explosion and stamina that he would have and durability, Lawler was a bad man for a reason. He he isn't anymore, and Bob Reed exposed that. I, I, I think I'm good seeing Lawler fighting anymore. I think I... I Want to remember him for the great performances he had, and I think a guy like Barbarina is kind of like a you know it's kind of like a wake up call, like hey you're not at this level anymore. But it, I I still like that first round. Go look at that first round what he did with the the pressure and the way he tried to make Barbarina punch himself out. It almost worked. It was close. Let's go to maybe the most uh, one of the most controversial fights of the night when that was Pedro Munoz versus Sugar Sean O'Malley and. I'm going to start this off with O'Malley, and I've had this criticism about him before. I've said it on a podcast before. I couldn't find it, but I know I've said it before. O'Malley cannot create offense. He can't. He can't create offense. He can react. He can counter. He can't create offense. If someone's going to move around and make O'Malley lead, he doesn't know how to do it. He's actually lost out there when he has to lead. Now, Munoz, who isn't the most technically uh, brilliant striker or anything like that, just outworked O'Malley in the first round. That's all he did. He outworked him. In the first round. And because O'Malley couldn't react. And I know he looks technically good. He's doing. His movement looks good. His punches look good when he throws them. That doesn't mean that he's effective. And I didn't think he was effective in the first round. I thought Munoz beat him with just late kicks. And just overworking him. And O'Malley just staring. And fainting. And you know. Little show offs here and there. Now in the second round it was looking better for O'Malley. I'll give you that. It was still close. And I still thought Munoz could probably outwork him in that fight. And I thought going into the third round was going to be really competitive. Now, Munoz gets poked in the eye. Can't continue. People calling him a quitter. All these things. 
BS. It's a tough fight. It's a, it's a good opportunity. It's, you know, if he can't see and he's just going to push it just because he's afraid that you're going to say, oh, he's a quitter and he gets knocked out. But I'm O'Malley. What's going to happen for him? Because I don't think the, the crowd's going to be like, well, you know, he did push through the eye injury. No, they're not. There's going to be like, oh, O'Malley highlight. He did the right move. If he can't see or, you know, he's having trouble seeing or there's an injury. And the doctor notices it. Then that is what it is at that point. People call him a quitter. He won the first round. And I don't, not just me saying it, the judges said that. He was in that fight. Why would he quit? Why would, oh, this, I'm, I'm tired of O'Malley just staring at me this whole time. No, he wasn't at quitting. He got poked in the eye. You can't see. So it's obvious. I, I, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything. I, I really think O'Malley has a problem if he can't create offense. Going forward, I don't, I think he might have, I don't think he's going to have success against really top guys that are going to make him, you know, lead. The really top guys are going to see it and be like, hey, you're staring. You know what I mean? You've got, you have no ideas of how to do anything, get anything going here. And he really didn't. I, I imagine we'll see a rematch in this fight. Um, or, you know, maybe not. Maybe they just keep moving on Miley. But I, I do think that there's some warning signs there. Let's just pay attention to that. And I'm pointing out right now, this guy can't create offense. He can react well. He can't create offense. And just remember, a lot of his highlights are against cans. Let's be honest with us. Let's be honest with this. He's a lot of his highlights are against cans. So, and the one time he faced a good fighter's leg got turned off. The, the signs are there. The signs are there. I did want to talk about Jalen Turner, who is using his reach, using his length, and is making good fighters into cans. He really is. Uh, against Riddle. I mean, it, it, it's looked like all Turner's other performances. He just goes in there and he's just a superior fighter. And I'm really excited for Turner going forward because I think this guy's going to be a world champ. I think he has a, at least contend for one. It's hard to say the guy's going to be a world champ. There's like very good fighters, you know what I mean, at that weight class. But I think that he's he's going to be a problem. I do imagine him fighting for a belt. I'm very interested to see um, where he goes from there. But he, he, he completely understands his distance. He's completely comfortable with putting you at range and knowing exactly where he can touch you. And when he touches you, he could probably put you out and he's quick to hop on your, your neck. He's, he's just well-rounded, but he's, he's got that, like just something different and you can see it. And I'm really excited to see Turner going forward. Uh, Gary, Ian Gary got a win this, uh, you know, uh, you know, three rounds of none. I, I, I saw parts, bits and parts. I didn't watch the whole thing. So I can't fully break it down, but, Ian Gary is a character. He's Irish. If they could keep winning and uh, being as effective, I think he was more effective this fight than I felt like in the last fight from the parts I've seen of it. I'm curious to see, you know, what he could turn into because I think he could be a possibility of being a star. But that that was the um, that was UFC 276. It was it was it was a good card. I, I thought it was very interesting. I thought it gave a lot of like. Uh, you know, in these fights and these things, okay, well, you're not gonna have great fights all the time, but there's there's like interesting storylines or interesting, interesting ways these things play out, or it just kind of just builds to something else. I thought that's what this did. It, it did everything that it needs to do. It had the pre-fight hype. I was excited about it. Glad I saw it, and I'm happy I do a podcast about it. Thank you guys uh, for listening. Please follow me at Ezra Podcast on anything that you know Ezra Boxing on Twitter, Ezra Podcast on anything else. Uh, Instagram and you know subscribe like leave a review all these good things thank you guys for listening